All right. Good evening. Glad to have a little bit of rain, and we thank the Lord for that. Thank y'all for coming back uh, tonight. Um, we're going to continue uh, tonight through our series uh, on evangelism, and um, looking forward to what uh, the Lord has for us. So, as we uh, begin, let's pray together. Lord, another opportunity, another privilege to gather together and hear from you. Thank you for these brothers and sisters here. Lord, I pray that you would bless each and every one of them. You would grant them wisdom and strength and faith and and um, all that they do, and that they would magnify you in their lives. And I pray for all of us, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to be faithful witnesses to you, that you would just grant us opportunities day by day to share the love of Christ with other people, grant us to wisdom to see those opportunities and the courage to take them, and just give us love for people, Lord, love for their souls, and Lord, just uh, grant us just an intimacy with you such that uh, we just speak freely about you, Lord, and all that we do. Help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, tonight, um, what I want to talk about is the gospel as story. The gospel as story. So, uh, last uh, Sunday night, I briefly kind of outlined a way that we can share the gospel uh, under four themes, God, man, Christ response. God, man, Christ response. Um, But tonight, I want to focus on the gospel as a story. Now, stories uh, are very powerful. Uh, When someone's trying to explain something to you uh, and you're not getting it, one of the things you say is, can you give me an example? In other words, illustrate it. In other words, Tell me, give me an example, tell me a story about more specifically how what you're explaining to me applies to, to a concrete example, a concrete thing. Stories can be emotionally gripping. Alright? Now, women, lots of times it's joke, they watch the Hallmark Channel, you know, and, and, and weep all kinds of tears about broken hearts and whatnot. Of course, men cry tears, too, though they don't want to admit it. Um, When you watch a good movie, or if maybe some of you watch television shows, why why do you get so involved in them? Because uh, you get invested in the characters, right? A a well-made movie, they have good characters. You see see things in the characters, the things that you wish you were, things that you're glad you're not. and probably most importantly, you see in characters that you see on movies and televisions, things that you are. You see yourself in them. And so when, when we read a good story, when we watch a good story, it can really touch us. It can really move us. The stories don't just help us, don't just, stories don't just put knowledge in our heads, they help us feel. Today... Um, some of the most popular stories told are movies. Now, if you really think about it, there's only a few 
movie plots in, that exist in the entire world. And all movies are iterations of just a handful of movie plots. For example, probably the most popular movie, movie plot is Man Falls in Hole. And basically what this plot is, there's a person, and then something happens, and he's in a very serious problem that he really desperately has to get out of. And oftentimes he can't escape on his own, and so someone larger than life comes along and helps them out of the, the problem. Superhero movies are very popular. They make a lot of money, too. There's another kind of movie plot that's related to this. It is called Kill the Dragon, Get the Girl. Okay, man loves girl, but there is a great barrier keeping them from being together. So said man does what does whatever he he has to to does whatever he has to 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 kill the dragon, destroy the barrier between them, and gets the girl, and everybody loves it. Uh, a related but different um, movie. Uh, theme is boy meets girl. It's, it's related, but it's a little bit different. Here, boy meets girl, and immediately they like each other, but then there's some kind of, there's some kind of problem. You know, usually she's engaged or something like that. And who cares about if she's engaged? You know, who, that doesn't matter. You're just going to pursue her anyways, right? All right. And so, and so, you're, so there's relational turmoil, and so a battle for the girl ensues between her fiancé and this new guy. I'm thinking of, uh, what's that movie we don't watch the other day? Made in Manhattan or something like that. Anyways, at the end, everybody's favorite guy wins and everybody's happy. And then a, a, a final movie plot that is very popular is Rags to Riches. Rags to Riches. You all know this plot. You got the guy, he's a nothing, he's a nobody, you know, nobody cares about him. And you, like, you kind of like that about them because they're humble, you know, and they don't think they're a big deal. But then, you know, he finds out he's the great-great-grandson of some made-up European king country or something, okay? A king of some made-up European country. And all of a sudden, he's filthy rich, but you like him because he knows what it's like to live in rags. So we love stories like that. They, they kind of speak to something uh, in all of us, and they are powerful, and they're able to move us. Well, tonight I want to talk about the gospel as story. And uh, one of the things first I want to um, argue is that, is that presenting the gospel as a story is, in fact, a legitimate way to present the gospel. And I think it's very clear if you just consider the Bible. In other words, think about the Bible for a minute. What is the Bible? Is it... Lots of people, if you ask them what's the Bible, one of the first things they would say is they'd say, well, the Bible is a book of rules. Well, the Bible does, in fact, contain a lot of rules. But I think if you read the Bible carefully, that's not the primary way you would characterize the Bible. It's not first a book of rules. Some people would view the Bible as maybe a collection of biographies of people you should be like, you know, a book of heroes, so to speak. It's got a bunch of people and a bunch of examples, and from these examples of these men's lives, you can learn how to live. Well, the Bible does contain lots of stories about lots of people, but I don't think at all that's the first thing the Bible is. The Bible, first and foremost, is a story. It is. 
from beginning to end. The Bible begins at the beginning of the universe. And the Bible ends in eternity future with God's people in his presence forever. In other words, the Bible is a story and it encompasses all history and all human history. The Bible is a story. The Bible has many characters. But the Bible, if you read it carefully, you see it only actually really has one main character, God. And that's important too. Sometimes some people, they read the Bible and they primarily think it's a book about them, how they can have their best life now, how they can be helped and uh, kind of a self-improvement kind of book. But the Bible actually primarily isn't about you. It's about God. And what God has done, is doing, and will doing, will do in the world. The Bible contains many different stories, but again, if you read carefully, you'll see that they're actually all part of one big story that is being written. There's a, there's a little children's Bible you can buy called the Jesus Storybook Bible. I strongly encourage you to get one or, or give it to your kids or grandkids. And there's a little subtitle to the book which, which says this. It says, every story whispers his name. In other words, it's a storybook Bible for kids, but it consciously tells the, the, the individual stories in the Bible in a way to help kids realize that every story even though this story may be about Noah, this story may be about Abraham, this story may be about David, every story is looking to somebody else. It's pointing to somebody else. It's pointing to Jesus. All, all the stories really are just telling one story. The story of the world, the story of what God is doing. And of course, the Bible is the greatest and most important story of all because it's true. You know, um, there's been some really great books written over the years, really engaging books, um, books that tell uh, great stories in, in, a, in a very compelling way. Um, you know, I think in Orlando now they have a, a theme park based off of Harry Potter. The reason why, why is that so popular? Because J.K. Rowling created a world that seemed more exciting than the world we live in. <laughs> and and when, when people read those books, they wanted their life to have that kind of excitement. And so, they, and so the point is, is that the, everybody understands that there's something going on. And you can read something and immerse yourself into the story, and that that story can seem may seem better than the life you're living. In other words, there's this sense in us all that we were made for something greater than what we're living for. And I want to say that you have that sense because it's true. <laughs> That you don't have to look to some kind of 
uh, magical world to find excitement because, in fact, we live in a supernatural world where we don't have to worry about, there's no, we don't need to be concerned about magic because there's a spiritual God who rules and reigns over all things, who has orchestrated an eternity past to eternity future and, and has created humanity right in the middle to be a display of his glory to the heavenly hosts. In other words, our life is part of a story far greater than any story any human's ever written. And I think, therefore, one of the most powerful ways to share the gospel is to share the, gospel, is to share the biblical story. Now, this brings us to explain two different aspects of the gospel that are sometimes described in different ways. Um, we can describe them as the essence of the gospel versus the epic story. In the, in the book, uh, Sharing Jesus Without Freaking Out, that's how he describes it. The essence of the gospel versus the epic story. The essence of the gospel is the radical core of the gospel. That is, uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, um, I delivered as, first, as a first importance of what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. In other words, the core of the gospel is built around the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. The, the, the payment of the penalty for sin that we owe to God, Jesus took upon himself, and he, on the cross, he conquered it in his resurrection, and now he gives the hope of forgiveness of sins and eternal life to all who believe in him. That's the essence of the gospel. But there is another aspect of it, which we may call the epic story. That is the whole narrative of redemption from beginning to end. Um, uh, Matt, Matt Chandler, a pastor in Texas, wrote a book called The Explicit Gospel, and he described it like this. There's, he called it the gospel on the ground versus the gospel in the air. In other words, there's a gospel that is very clear when you're standing right at the foot of the cross. But if you also jump in a plane and fly up 10,000 feet in the air and look over the whole landscape of redemptive history, there's a story to be told there as well. And the two go together. And so there's the essence of the gospel, and then there's the epic story of the gospel. And so what I think and what I want to teach you tonight is I want you to think about the epic story of the gospel, and I want you to hopefully be comfortable with it and become comfortable with it in a way where you can use it as a means uh, to share Christ with other people. Because I found from personal experience that um, we've been in, in, in the morning sermons, I've been going through Galatians, and we've been explaining justification by faith. But let me tell you something. I would not talk to a person who's not a Christian and try to explain what I've been explaining to y'all on Sunday mornings. <laughs> they won't get it. And if they do get it, they won't see its relevance for their life. The power, then, of sharing the gospel story is that you get to unabashedly, unashamedly, and powerfully look someone in the eye and say, there is a story being written by God, and you are an integral part of that story. 
That touches people. And so, just like I gave you the essence of the gospel, man, uh, God, man, Christ response, there are four ways, there are four a peg, so to speak, on which we, which we can hang the epic story of the Bible. And those are creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And you'll see there's lots of overlap between what we talked about last week. <clears throat> creation is just, is just the beginning of the story. God made the world, and he made everything in it good, <clears throat> Lots of people around here, they love nature. That's a good way, that's a good segue into the gospel. Because when you talk about the beauty of creation, you're talking about God, you're talking about his power, you're talking about the goodness that exists. And so it's a great way to initiate conversations with people is to talk about creation, talk about the good of the story, and talk about, and talk about how God created us for a purpose. That's why everybody wants meaning in their life. That's why everybody wants to matter. And you can say you do matter, not because you're a highly evolved animal, but you matter because you were made in the divine image by loving and holy God. There, you were created for a purpose, and people innately feel that and know that. And there's lots of people out there today who feel like they exist for no purpose. It's so true. And you can tell people, unashamedly look them right in the eye and say, you matter to God and you matter to me. So we start with creation. And then a good segue to the gospel. So creation, and the next is fall, the fall. This is a great way to to talk about Christ with people because you don't have to be a Christian to look at the world and understand that it's messed up, right? You turn on the news and you only have to watch it for half a second to realize this world is messed up. And lots of people, even, even non-Christians, uh, who, even people who don't believe in God, who I, I don't know why they expect it should be better anyways, but they are still grumbling about it. <laughs> in other words, even they know it's not the way it's supposed to be, right? We all know that the world is not as it's supposed to be. Well, you as a Christian, you have the way of explaining to people why that is. This world is full of sin. And one of the ways that that you can uh, explain this to people is that, and people innately get this too, is that there is brokenness in the world. There is sin outside of us. But there is also sin within us. In other words, everybody, Christian or not, they they just can't escape the fact that the world is not as it should be. And yes, in in the depths of their hearts, they also know this, that I am not as I should be. They know that. They, they, They may try to cover it up with all kinds of stuff with some kind of idol, with some kind of something else that they pursue that they give their life to, or it could be drugs or alcohol or something like that. But deep down, everybody knows they're not as they should be. We all feel it. You can press that and say, look, this is what the Bible says. It explains why we all know we're not as, the world is not as it should be, and we are not as it should be. It's because we are sinners that live in a sinful world. 
But God is going to make it right. So creation, fall, redemption. Creation, fall, redemption. God created the world good. Sin entered the world and broke everything. So God initiated a plan, which is what the whole Old Testament is about, through which to bring about restoration, which culminates in the person of Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? This is where Jesus is the hero, folks. He's the hero. He's He's Iron Man. He's Superman. He's the Hulk. The spiritual Hulk. Everything that we're longing for, he's it. He comes. He comes. And what does he do? He becomes, he comes as the second Adam. He comes as a true human. A human without sin. The human that we're supposed to be. And he is, he is the perfect human for us. Why? So that then he can make us like him. Like we were meant to be all along. All of us long for that. We long to be part of that. We long to be what we were made to be. God in Jesus, God sent Christ to restore the world to what it was made to be. And that's why Jesus lived a life without sin. That's why he died on the cross. Because he, by paying the penalty for sin, he's reconciling God to man. Man who had alienated and separated himself from his God. Christ is bringing them back together in himself. Christ is redeeming the world. And Christ is bringing renewal. To the world. And this, is a, and, and this is a great opportunity. This is a great opportunity. When you, when, you, when you talk about this. To share your testimony with someone. Because what do you have the ability to say? You can say. That because Christ has came. You personally. Have experienced. The change in your life. From God through Christ that he is recreating you even now to the person you're meant to be. You can testify how Christ has changed you. And that is powerful to people. You don't have, you don't, you don't have to have a, you know, one, what we call quote unquote powerful testimonies to, to share a powerful testimony. You just tell them, look. God has, God has changed me. God is changing me. God guides me. And I can testify that if it wasn't for him, I don't know where I would be. God is renewing the world. And get this. He's beginning in us. In you. By the Spirit. So creation, fall, redemption, and finally, restoration. What Christ began on the cross and through the resurrection and by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, redeeming the world in the hearts of man. What Jesus began, the Bible says Jesus will complete. 
In other words, you can point people to the unshakable reality that one day God will fully and finally eradicate all sin, both sin out there and sin in here. And we, those who have trusted in Christ, will live in a world free from sin, where there are no where there's no mourning or crying or tears anymore. For the former things have passed away. That is what everybody longs for. And they know it. They long for it because they were made for it. And what, what, and what you get to do when you share the Bible as story, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. You get to help people see where they fall in that story. In other words, you get to say this, friend, God made you. You, get, you can tell them, God made you for this moment where I'm telling you about Christ. And you have an eternal destiny and, and God has orchestrated all of history so that you would be at this time, at this place, right now, so that you could find your place in the story of God. That the things you do in this world, even if no one else ever sees them, the Bible says they will last forever. Everything done for Christ in secret one day will be shouted on the rooftops. And will be a jewel in your crown. Every good deed, every loving act that you do because you've been changed by the Holy Spirit of God will follow you forever into the presence of God. Your life matters and your life makes an eternal difference and it makes an eternal difference the way you live it. And God sees you and God knows you and you are part of his story right here that he's working out towards the end. You get to help people see that they're part of the story. See, the best part about the biblical story is that it's true. And so, you get to impress upon people that what we're talking about, it's not a fairy tale. We didn't, no, one, no one just made it up. Those longings in your hearts are real. C.S. Lewis said, if you have desires... In your heart that nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that you were made for another world. So what are advantages of sharing the gospel in this way? Well, I think it helps us avoid a danger that is very tempting to fall into. And that is sometimes we present Christianity first as a moral code. And that's very, and that's, it's very subtle, but it's very dangerous. We have to be very careful about not presenting Christianity in such a way as saying, you do X, Y, and Z, and that makes you a good Christian. Because what are we subtly implying when we say things like that? That you're saved by your works. Which is what we've been talking about for the past five weeks on Sunday mornings. We have to be very careful about that. We have to be very careful in saying, look, because lots of people think this. Lots of people really think, 
oh, well, I'll get my act together one day and come to Jesus. No, oh, no. You, you can't get your act together apart from Jesus. But look, you don't, but you don't have to get your act together to come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and Jesus will change you. You come to Jesus and the Spirit of God will change you. But we have to be very careful about not presenting Christianity first as a moral code. It's not first a moral code. It is, it is a relationship with the God of the universe in, uh, initiated and sustained by Jesus Christ. God becomes your father. That's Christianity. Also, sharing the gospel as story, it helps people, it helps people more immediately see the relevance for Christianity over all of life. Hear me now. Lots of people think that Christianity is just one more thing to do. Right? They do. Lots of people say, lots of people just think, well, if I'm going to be a Christian, then the sum total, what they think of what it means to be a Christian is you just go to church on Sundays. If you go to church on Sundays, boom, shakalaka, you're a Christian. And, and that's all that it is. Literally, that's all that it is. In other words, I go to the store, I go, I go take my kids, drop my kids off at school, and then I go to church on Sundays and I'm a Christian. It's just another thing to do. That is not Christianity. So, again, the advantage of, of explaining it this way is that it shows Christianity, that it shows people that Christianity is an all-encompassing view of the world. That is, it is not an addition to your life. It is a new way of looking at life altogether. That is... Things that, things that you used to do that you won't think is a big deal. Everything becomes for the glory of God. Everything. It's a complete different way of looking at the world. The, what, everything that you do becomes about how I can bring glory to God. Everything that I do comes under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Every thought that I think comes under the lordship of Jesus Christ. It's a completely different way of looking at the world. And so I commend this to you, to share the gospel to people as story, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And as I close, I just want you to think about this with me. Movie plots... Why do they resonate so deeply with us? It's, it's very simple. We're the man in the hole that couldn't get out. And the God of the universe stepped down into the hole. He went, he went into the hole. And he pushed us up out of the hole and he stayed in it himself. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why do stories resonate with us? Because Jesus Christ is the literal dragon slayer 
who came to crush the head of the serpent to take a bride for himself. Because Jesus is the boy that met the girl and she was engaged to a literal devil. And he fought the devil and won her heart. Why do movies resonate with us? Because we were beggars, filthy, ignorant. And then one day some, someone came along and said, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you become son of the most high God. We are the rags to riches story through Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible as story is so important is because it's not just because every story, because uh, the whole Bible is a story, but because every story, not just every story in the Bible, but every story is about Jesus. Every superhero is Jesus. Every man who gets the girl is Jesus. Every, every papa who in reality is a prince is Jesus. You see, after all these years of human history, and especially even after all the changes of today's world with modern technology, humanity has still be, not been able to shake the echoes of Eden that reverberate in our heart. We know we were made for a better world. And we know this world is not as it should be. And we long for this hope of this promise that a man, that someone one day would come to make it right. And he has. And his name is Jesus Christ. We all know that we needed something, someone, and we just couldn't quite remember who. And God came in Christ. And when you see him by faith, you finally find your place in the story that you were made for. St. Augustine said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. We have the best story to tell, and it's the best story because it's true. This week, why don't you tell someone this story? It just might change their life.